Oi, pessoal! Aqui é a Alexia. Bom, antes de começar, eu queria falar umas coisinhas aqui com vocês. Nós estamos preparando coisas muito bacanas para 2020. Então, a cada mês, nós teremos um challenge diferente, ou seja, um desafio. Pelos 12 meses do ano que vem, nós vamos ter desafios sobre temas específicos que vão te ajudar a melhorar o seu inglês. Por exemplo, nós vamos ter challenges sobre phrasal verbs, sobre prepositions e como aprender gramática sem precisar usar livros didáticos. Vai ser muito legal, a gente está super animado com isso e queremos muito, muito, muito que você participe. Então, se você é sério com o seu inglês, você deve participar dos challenges. Para saber mais sobre esse e muitos outros assuntos, vá lá no inglesnecru.com. Ok, now on with the show. Oi, fala aí pessoal, bom dia. Você está escutando o inglês do inglês do rádio. I am your host, Foster Hodge. This is your daily dose of English. Hey guys, so welcome to another episode of English no Cru Haju. Today I am with Anne Marie, who is the founder and director. Is that how you like to be called? Yeah. That's founder great. and director? Perfect. Sure. Of speakconfidentenglish.com. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got a super interesting story, super interesting background, doing a lot of cool things. So welcome, Anne Marie. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks. Awesome. So we were just speaking briefly that you have a very diverse background. I've seen you've taught in Pakistan, in France, and yeah. where else am I missing? Uh, so I, yes, I have taught in Pakistan, Germany, the Czech Republic, France, and in several places around the United States. Wow. So yeah. I think you have me beat by a couple of countries, or at least <laughs> in more exotic countries, for sure. <laughs> um, Cool. So can you tell me a little bit about how you got started teaching English and just how you got started on this journey of ESL? Sure. Uh, So when I was actually when I was young, I'm from the United States. I live or I'm from a Midwestern town and we had a very small but growing international population when I was young in where I lived. And I was Mm -hmm. fascinated by other places and cultures And the only way I could imagine going to them as a child was to get to know people. So when I reached an age where I was old enough to interact with people, maybe junior high and high school, I started volunteering for international organizations. I would help people who had moved to the city, how to open a bank account, get comfortable going to the grocery store. And I realized that that was something I loved to do. And it was, I eventually was helping people with English and I realized I was good at that and I had a skill. And so then as I started thinking about college and university, I thought, well, this might be a really interesting career field. It would allow me to travel maybe, but also help people who really need it if they're moving to the U.S. And then I was given an opportunity to go to Peshawar, Pakistan when I was 19. 
to be the first teacher at a women's school. It was a school for Afghan refugees and they wanted to develop their language skills because many of them were planning to move abroad. And so I did it. I went to Peshawar at 19. Dove and straight I, in. Wow. Yeah, I just Holy went moly. for it. And it, it was <laughs> the most incredible experience of my life. And I just, it, it put me on the path that I'm on now. And I've been doing it for 20 years. So uh, after that experience, that was eight months, I came back to the US, continued university, went back to Peshawar again because I really missed it, Fine, and then did another eight months where I taught at the same school, and then came back um, to the US, finished my degree, and then started moving around the world. I lived in the Czech Republic and Germany, uh, where I worked with adults mostly, and senior level business professionals, and then eventually got my master's degree. That created an opportunity for me to be an academic coordinator at a language school. I eventually became the deputy director of a language school and also worked on curriculum. And then about four years ago, I decided I wanted to focus on working with people I loved working with the most, which is primarily women, not all, but 90% of my clients are women. And I wanted to help them be successful and confident in English. So. I started my company, Speak Confident English. Awesome. Wow. That's an incredible story. And I love <laughs> the start of your story that it really started with kind of just more of the human element of wanting to yeah. help people. My story yeah. is very similar that I just saw these interesting people in my community and I wanted to learn how to interact with them. Yeah. And that's kind of where language came in. Yeah. So that's really, really yeah. cool. Yeah. Cool. So when you say that you focus primarily on women, is is there a reason that... So I just asked this because for some reason, a lot of... I focus specifically on teaching Brazilians, mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to discriminate against all my other students that I love and appreciate, Right. but I had to focus on something, and I spend a lot of my life in Brazil. Um, did you have a similar decision-making process with focusing primarily on teaching uh, female students? I I don't know that it was ever a, a real decision. It's just who I loved. I love helping other women be successful. And I found that a lot of women were struggling with overcoming fear, overcoming feeling shy, feeling like they could use their voice in English, whether it was in a business meeting or giving presentations, whatever it was. But I really like helping women particularly reach that level of success where they can do what they need to do in English. And I think maybe some of that passion came from my first experience teaching with Afghan women. I think I also teach to people, I, in my own language learning experience, I've, I've learned other languages. I learned French as an adult, and I share the same shyness and fears yeah. and lack of confidence that a lot of my students have. And so yeah, me too. I totally. really can empathize and sympathize with how they feel. And so I, I don't know. It was never really a conscious decision. It's just where I've, I think where I've gone. Yeah, that's perfect. I think those organic life yeah. changes are the best ones. Great, great. So you speak French. Do you speak other languages as well? Your English is great. In my yeah, I've worked hard on English. Um, <laughs> so I, it's a real shame because I I have studied other languages. I studied Russian, German, and Czech. Uh, while I lived in Pakistan, I studied Pashto. 
But the same frustrations that a lot of my students have in English, the lack of fluency and the lack of confidence, the fear of speaking, those things inhibited me a lot with those languages. And I never had the opportunity to fully learn or embrace those languages because fear, fear won, I guess. And it wasn't until I was older that I started to figure out how to actually build confidence in a language and how to be more fluent. And so the same skills that helped me become a real French speaker are the skills that I use today with my, my students in English. Perfect. Perfect. Great. Yeah. And that's something in the beginning that really attracted me to the way you teach and your site is that you talk a lot about confidence, about, um, you know, having shame or timidity or being shy when you're Mm -hmm. speaking. And, that's just something I think there's a huge deficit of in our community. Absolutely. Because I see so many like ah, 100 grammar tips that you can learn today. Like da da da. And You're not right. going to fix the, the root of no. the problem. No, not at all. And I think too, a lot of, I see a lot of the traditional classroom definitely, but also a lot of online teachers, a lot of the answers for fluency is, well, just go talk to somebody. Just You just have to do, you just have to dive in. And to some degree that's true, but someone who is naturally shy or someone that's fearful isn't going to just dive in. There's other steps that have to happen first. And so I like helping people take those first steps and helping them discover their own path toward fluency. And it doesn't look the way maybe someone else's path looks like. And that's okay. It's totally okay to be shy and afraid. You just have to learn how to overcome it. And it's yeah. it's not something you just do in a, in a heartbeat or in a de- one decision. No, absolutely. I mean, in English, I still struggle with like, <laughs> I'm going to eat with some of my friends <laughs> and the social anxiety. Same of with me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you have two courses, the your fluency school, which I believe is your kind of flagship course and also right. confident job interviews. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Do you have any tips or suggestions or things that you give to your students that are shy um, just to be a little more confident, especially in the beginning stages, like kind of getting over that first hump of where they can start having conversations? Yeah. One of the things that I practice a lot, I think students fail to recognize the importance of practicing and speaking out loud, and it doesn't have to be with someone else. Our fear when speaking with someone else is they won't understand us. We'll say something the wrong way. They might not understand our accent. Maybe they'll start laughing. We're not sure we have the right grammar. There's so many fears. And so if we let that fear control us, we never take that first step. So I often focus on the very beginning, just when you're by yourself, the importance of practicing, but doing it out loud. And it doesn't, no one else has to hear it. You can do it when There's something that's different between looking at a book and reading things and everything is in your head versus actually hearing yourself say things out loud and getting comfortable with how your voice sounds in English because it sounds different. We have different sounds in the English language, getting comfortable with pronunciation. And and then I also do um, a lot of recordings with students. I have them record and listen to themselves, which is a really painful process (laughs) the first time you do it. Uh, Even for native speakers. I was just going to say it is painful for native speakers, but it is such an effective strategy for helping you get comfortable with how you sound. It also helps you learn to recognize and fix your own mistakes so that while you're speaking in the moment, you can hear yourself 
and be more calm about fixing errors or changing how you say something. So it's effective on a lot of different levels. And that's one of the things I do with a lot of my students, even in the fluency school course. And uh, it's, I mean, I, I think that's one really easy thing that you can do no matter where you live, no matter whether you're studying by yourself or you have a teacher or you're in a class, you can do those activities on your own to help you overcome some of that fear. And I often share a story with my students. When I first moved to France, I had already learned French. I knew French, but I was terrified of all those same things. My accent, what if I said it wrong? What if the people behind me start laughing? And I remember going to a bakery and I was terrified just to order bread. So <laughs> I was watching pretty important thing of, to do in France. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the number one thing you do. And it seems so simple. I just wanted bread. But I was so nervous that I stood in line. There were 10 people in front of me. The line behind me got longer. And I just didn't do I left. I couldn't do it. I just I was too afraid because there were so many people. I was afraid they would laugh at me or I wouldn't know what to say. So then I went back the next day and I just listened to other people. I didn't get in line. I just listened to other people. And then I went home and I practiced out loud and just I started loitering in the bakery. It's <laughs> the simplest thing it is. It's embarrassing now because it's such a small thing. No, but, no. but going home and practicing saying it out loud gave me that little push I needed so that the next day I, I also tried to figure out when no one else went to the bakery. That was my other tip is to go when no one else was there. Yeah, uh, baby steps. But that, yeah, that practice kind of helped me get that little extra boost that I needed just to go order bread. And then everything else afterwards got much easier. But Yeah, yeah. When my students ask me a lot about how to overcome shyness and things like that, I had the exact same experience in Spain where mm-hmm. I don't even want to begin to tell how many times I just like walked into a bar and <laughs> walked right out. Right. But I always <laughs> tell my students I lived in Spain for more or less one year yeah. without interacting with people. Yeah. <laughs> just like it's possible. Which Absolutely. is crazy. And then I started recording myself and just like mm-hmm. walking my dog and speaking Spanish. Yep. And that gave me so much confidence. So it if does. my students ask what's one thing you can do, recording is a godsend. Yeah. Totally agree. And a lot of students struggle with well, what should I say? What should I talk about? And one of the best things is just summarize your day. Talk about what did you do that day? Who did you see? Where did you go? What did you eat? One, because it helps you get all that vocabulary and activates it in your mind. But that's something we often, when we see people, they often say, how are you doing? Or what did you do today? Yeah. How's it going? And your response is typically something that you did that day. So it's a nice way to just practice how to answer those basic everyday questions. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to another language teacher recently, a guy named Tony Marsh. I don't know if you know him. I don't, no. Um, he's really interesting, very smart. And he was saying, the only thing you need to decide when you're learning a language is what do you want to say and who do you want to say it to? Mm-hmm. So pretty much it's just like, oh, I want to say like, if I'm in Spain, I want to say that I'm Foster, I'm an English teacher. And I want to say it to these Spaniards that are around me. Right. right. So it's really simplifying the process. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, that's a way to put it. Cool, cool. So a lot of my students work specifically for they are actively seeking jobs outside of Brazil. Right. 
Do you have any specific tips or guidelines or just things that you like to tell people that are interviewing for positions or trying to find work abroad? I imagine you have a whole, <laughs> you have an entire yeah, course on it. To start thinking about, so specifically for looking for work abroad, are you talking about looking for work abroad or actually doing the interviews? More with the actual overcoming the language barrier of more formal English um, right. and English in like intense settings like interviews or right. things where you're being linguistically judged a little bit right. more strictly. That's yeah, and that's always the biggest. I, a lot of the clients that I work with, with in confident job interviews, not only is the, there the fear of the job interview itself, which even native speakers are terrified of, but there, as you just said, there's that fear of judgment. And will you lose the job because your English isn't good enough? Yeah. And that's always a scary, scary question. Which is scary because normally yeah. I tell my students, like, people aren't judging you. If you speak to someone, most people, 95% of people are happy to say like, oh, do you mean to say this? But mm -hmm. in job interviews, like accent discrimination is a real thing. Um, yeah. And it is scary. Yeah. So more specifically in that realm, do you have any? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think, I mean, I, I don't want to be too repetitive, but I would say native speakers also practice for job interviews. And again, it goes back to you could read several websites about how to prepare for job interview questions. You could write things down, but that is different from actually speaking and practicing out loud. And it is true that if you're doing it in another language, if you're a Brazilian and you're going to do the interview in English, you do need to practice more because you're not just learning how to answer the question, you're learning how to answer it in English. So whether you use online websites that are available on how to answer the most common job interview questions, if you're doing a course, whatever it might be, I think it's absolutely essential that you're practicing out loud and you practice multiple, multiple times, not just one time, but maybe 10 times, because every time you do it, you're going to say it in a slightly different way, but you're also going to help lock that vocabulary, the grammar, whatever it is you need, you're going to lock that into your brain so it's more active and you're less likely to forget what you want to say or what you need to say in a job interview. Yeah, it's like muscle memory. Yeah, absolutely. So it's part of the repetition and it's also doing it out loud. And again, I mean, recording yourself because then you can practice an answer. You could listen to it and say, oh, that was really great. I, I like how I answer that or mm, I wish I'd used a different word or I had changed my grammar. And if you're practicing and you give yourself the time to do that, you can, you can change all of that yeah. and you get to the answer that you want to use and practice that regularly. So it's easy for you when it, when it comes to the actual interview, Yeah, that would be, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. no, that's perfect. Yeah. I, in my former life, when I was a business school student, which I don't talk about too much, but <laughs> I always tell my students that throughout two years of business school, they make you do mock interviews like yes. case study interviews and things like that. Right. And every student in the school had to be recorded in a 60 minute interview, like on yeah. camera. And then their peers to judge them 10 times oh. over the course of 10 oh. years. And Yikes. people judge you on a criteria of like, yeah. how comfortable do you look? How confident are you? Exactly. And my first like seven were like confidence two, okay, confidence three. <laughs> but yeah. it really, really helps just it kind does. of build that. And that's some, I mean, 
when we get back to the recording yourself, not only can you adjust or change the language that you use, but checking your body language. Are, are you looking at the camera like it's a person? Are you using eye contact? Are you sitting still or are you moving your hands around? Are you touching your hair all the time? You know, all those little things, body language is 50% of what you say. And so you want your body language to look calm. You want it to show confidence. Um, so again, recording yourself helps you to make those adjustments and see where you need to make improvements. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I agree with all of the advice you're giving, but (laughs) I think it's very, very difficult or a very small percentage of my students either have the initiative or just like the structure where they can actually put that in place and put it into practice because it's very, it's easy for us to say like, oh, well, just, you know. You have your nice microphone and a camera and you start recording yourself and do it 50 times. But it's so great that you you can actually put that into a structured process where people can see their progression along the way. I think there's a huge lack of that for at least a lot of my students. Um, So that's really, really, really cool that you're doing that. And I think you're right. It, It takes a lot of motivation and initiative if you're going to do that on your own, it's 100% possible, but it does take a lot of work. It is hard. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons, at least in the courses that I offer, I love keeping them, one, small groups, because it's really easy to get comfortable in a small group, but two, it gives you that accountability. And every time I offer a course, each small group sort of starts to feel like its own family. We we form really tight connections and friendships because you're working so hard and there's so much vulnerability in practicing for job interviews or working to become more fluent. But I think that that community, that group sort of gives you the extra push that you need to stay consistent and committed to it because those things are hard to do. It does take time and, and that can be tough if you're doing it on your own. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What I really loved about your approach and after talking to you for maybe half an hour, you have not mentioned once anything about phrasal verbs, about grammar. (laughs) It's all psychological and coming, um, overcoming these like physical and emotional barriers that exist in the linguistic realm as well. It's, it's really on point. I like it a lot. Great. Emery, so I know that you have other obligations today, but just before we leave, I was wondering if you wanted to share just anything that you particularly love about teaching English that keeps you doing this every day that um, a lot of people Mm -hmm. think like, oh, you get to travel, you work from home, but it's a real job. Mm -hmm. So you have to love it. You have to love to be a teacher. So do you have any, any things that specifically make you love what you do? Yeah, I do. And that's easy. Um, so I, and I will say I do, it is a real job. I work 70 to 80 hours a week. <laughs> I work a lot. I work nonstop, uh, because not only am I teaching and running courses, but I have, I run my website. I, uh, do my marketing, everything. I am a business. Um, yeah, I work so, so much more than, yes, <laughs> than when I, I had a real job hard before. <laughs> But uh, when I see my students accomplish what it is that they need, uh, that so just last week I was in Miami and I have a f- couple of students that live in Miami and that we all met for lunch. And it was amazing because I see them regularly online in my online classroom. I know them, but getting to meet them face to face and having a two hour lunch with them in English. And it was so easy for them. 
And a year ago, they would have never thought that was possible. And one of them now is getting ready to look for, to interview for jobs. The other one said, when she arrived, she said, I'm just going to be quiet. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure I can, I can do a whole lunch in English. I've never done this before, but she spoke the whole time. <laughs> I, to me, that was such a success story. Watching her just be able to communicate so easily and tell me about her life and what she's doing in Miami and she and her husband have launched a company and they're launching a new app. I mean, that to me, that's why I do this. I love seeing them be successful and reaching that level of where they are confident and they are fluent and they have worked so hard to do it. It is not easy, but they did it. And that's why I keep working because I love that feeling. I love seeing them get what they want. That's amazing. That's super inspiring and inspires me to continue what I'm doing as well. Great, great. So thanks so much, Emery. Is... Thank you. Thanks so much for these great questions. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, thank you. I don't know if they're good questions. I'm not the I'm still yeah. new at interviewing. But no. um where can where can people find you? Um Sure. Uh so my website is speakconfidentenglish.com. I'm also on Facebook. You can find me again by searching Speak Confident English. It's such a good name and... for it. Yeah. <laughs> crush the SEO on, on that one. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and I'm. you can find me on YouTube as well, but most students go to my website, and that's also where you can find out more about my courses, Fluency School, and Confident Job Interviews. And I have a weekly, if you sign up for my email list, I have a weekly email that I send out that includes a lesson and a video lesson. Yeah, so. they're really good. I'm on it. Yeah. Thanks. So oh, awesome. <laughs> visit Anne-Marie at speakconfidentenglish.com. It's a beautiful website. Everything she's doing is really, really cool. And I really love the psychological side of language and the human connection that you put into it. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Cool. So thanks so much, Anne-Marie. And I hope to Thank talk you, to you again Oscar. sometime I'm soon. I'm excited to share this with all of my, well, not just my Brazilian students, but all of my <laughs> students. I'm sure they'll enjoy getting to check out your site. Great. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of English Nui Kuru Haju. If you like what we do, please check us out at EnglishNuiKuru.com, EnglishNuiKuru.com. There you can find everything you need, all of the episodes, transcripts, blog posts, articles, resources, and new courses that we are releasing this month. Thank you for your support. Most importantly, keep up the good fight and lose well. Até já já. Tchau.